Hey guys, welcome to the fifth episode of The Trainer Feed. We're excited to have our first guest on this episode. Before we do that, let's check in with the guys. How are we doing? David, how are you feeling? Good, man. I um, worked out earlier. Body's shaking. Hope I don't faint during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm doing well. I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilling. Good. What would you work on? I did, uh, I did a little weights, <clears throat> like a hit workout. I did... Okay, I've written down. Uh, I did swings, cleans, curls, and push-ups. Seven rounds, 15, 10, 27. So, not too bad. Nice. Sounds legit, man. Nice. Awesome. Man? I'm trying to add a round every week. So, right now, I'm at seven rounds. We do eight next week. Nice. With a 20 to 28? 28. Damn, all right, beast. Beast mode activated. I'm not curling that. I'm not curling a 28. I'm... Hey, you could. I'm using the band. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say. I put the band around the, the handle. And then call up. Nice. Sanchez, how you feeling? Uh, I'm good. Choppy. Pretty good. Trying to work on uh, a lot of stuff uh, for the website, for the podcast and whatnot. So, um, you know, just going through the ins and outs of that. I, I wasn't like a web developer in my past life uh, <laughs> learning how many things actually go into it and Yo, this mm-hmm. gonna crash. nah even though they make it simple nowadays it's like sometimes you just want to fix one thing and it's like yeah. why can't i just fix this one thing so uh yeah. working through some of that stuff this week um so i think this weekend i definitely need to like stretch and do a lot of that because my body is just super tight from sitting in front of a computer for so long but yeah, man. Good. Yeah. Well, how about yourself? Doing good. Um, <clears throat> same thing as you. Like trying to have some small projects to keep keep myself sane. Uh, got a couple of things I'm working on as well, um, which are kind of cool. Um, like um, just some things that keep me stimulated, you know. So I think that's important right now to not feel like you're just vegetating away and not doing anything productive so as long with like you guys said like still getting workouts in still like doing some reading whether it's journals whether it's studies like still doing a bit of planning um doing the stuff for my recertification as well so like just just a few things of like that but it's all good um again super pleased that equinox are continuing to pay us throughout the month of may i want to shout them out and that's that's phenomenal and we're very grateful because unfortunately not everyone in the company's been able to we kept on, so we're very fortunate. I definitely want to mention that. And uh, but good, I'm excited for this podcast. I'm excited for us to have our first guest, um, uh, Angel. Well, let's know more about it. Yeah. So our yeah. So Sorry. Our first guest um, on this podcast is going to be a former colleague of ours um, from '76. She's still at '76. Jacques and I kind of moved on to sports club, uh, but we worked together at Equinox. Um, she was my mentee for a little bit. But um, now she's kind of moved into a mentorship role, I think, in a lot of regards. Um, and she's our good friend, uh, Georgine Barsabal. So. Yes, Georgine. What's up? <laughs> What's up, Georgine? Well done. I'm an expert Zoom person now. This is cute. <laughs> How are you guys? Doing well. Yeah. Trying, to keep staying, trying to keep healthy. On, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on this. I've been listening. Yeah, to thank you for, for joining us. We're super pumped that you're our first guest and that you're able to bring so much um, knowledge from being in the field with us and more, right? So we'll, we'll get more to that. But Angel uh, takes away. Well, I just want to see how you're doing, like, first and foremost. Just check in. Like, how are you doing? Good. I've been trying to keep busy as much as possible, like, trying to think of new projects and stuff. And you guys actually inspired me with this because I was like, if you guys are just, have you, were you thinking about this before the COVID situation or? Uh, I, so Jacques texted us, yo, get this app called Anchor. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And then, you know, I think after a day or two, he reached out again. Jacques said, hey, so we doing this or not? <laughs> like, all right, let's yeah. put it down. Yeah, no, it's a it, it was just something. Just happened. Yeah, I go on with David, it's just fun. And 
I listened to a couple of podcasts myself and for a while I've been thinking like there's got to be a way that in our field we can provide another platform for people to like tune in and hear real real experiences right because in our industry I feel like so much of it is like the appeal of what it looks like and it's not always the real gritty real truth behind it of like you know like what it actually looks like, what it actually entails, like even with fitness professionals, they certainly have weaknesses, certainly have different methods of approach or different experiences. And I think that that's what we're really trying to get out of doing this. And like we did episodes two, three, and four with coaching models where we all like the coach and the trainer, but long story short, it was something I've been thinking for a while. And right now I feel like such a good time. Like we're all at home. Uh, yeah. Thanks to technology, we can do this. And these guys, and I think it's, it's, um, the, the beauty of this is it's three different it's three completely different people um david being the most eccentric one of course but <laughs> you were able to come together That's and have all worked together. i was a coach for once it was great you were yeah david was once a coach believe it or not no but i think it's and i i think like this opportunity to like connect with people like yourself that have so much more than just being in the, the wealth and health industry right that can bring to it and can bring to our listeners i think that it's hard to um, either promote those ideas or like experiences through just social media. I think this is a run of the way for like, again, this is a time where it's unprecedented and someone is more likely to listen to something or like, you know, we're so yeah. bored and this is a great time for someone to like delve into another interest or, you know, like we're definitely getting more people involved into listening to it. Um, and we we thought you were a great person to start with, great being one, that you have so much experience. question before you guys start is, yeah. do you actually listen to yourself after you do this? So the truth, the thing I, is, I is before... Of course you have, David. Well, I hate my before, voice. My listen. voice is horrible. Sorry. No, 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 no. Fucking nasally. It's <laughs> weird hearing your voice. But before we post it, I typically listen to the whole thing. Last week was one of the first episodes we didn't really have any like mishaps, but in the first three episodes or four, we had like parts where I lost connection. So I had to go through and like manually find that point and edit it. So I had to listen to the whole thing. So before we released it, I listened to the episode like five or six times in full. So, but like anything, we get better and like it's, it's a little weird hearing your voice, but it's, it's good. It gets smoother for sure. Doc would disconnect so many times. Me and Angel yeah. like, yo, we starting a new podcast. Fuck that. Doc is out. Yeah, I don't know if it's a crazy connection, whatever it is. But I see, last week was better. So, yeah. Yeah, that's been getting better. I think once we get the hang of it, it'll, it'll be a lot. It'll be a lot easier. It'll yeah. be so smooth. And being in person as well, I think that once we're in person, like you can, there's no delay on if we both talk at the same. Someone talk, both two people speak at the same time, or like, uh, you know, like. So it's it again. Whenever this blows over, it'll be a lot smoother. And uh, but this is still really awesome. We're able to do this like from four different, completely different locations. It's I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Someone's in Jersey, unfortunately. My bad. <laughs> I can't believe you're in Jersey and I'm not in Jersey. That's that's how yeah, I was I crazy. So. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, no, Georgine's with it. She's <laughs> team NYC. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll oh, be quiet. I'll be quiet. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into like the questions that we got for Georgine. Um, obviously, we prepared some questions um, because she has a huge expertise, and we would like to pick her brain about a couple of things. Um, so, well, first and foremost, because I didn't, I don't think I asked it, but how's your family? Is everybody healthy? Is everybody safe? They're good. Actually, the reason why I wasn't able to go back and um, shelter in place in Jersey is because my mom's an active nurse in a facility, which actually ended up turning into a COVID um, pretty much unit because she works in psych and there's just no place to put those patients. So they just ended up yeah. having their patients who are positive for COVID um, to be there and people progress there and all that stuff. So it's been a little bit crazy on that end. So I can't exactly go and stay with her, mm -hmm. um, but she has been good. She's been staying strong and other, other than that, we've just been taking it day by day, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm happy that she's, you know, uh, healthy and how happy that she's okay. Um, because, like, it is it is a crisis. And thank her from us for doing what she does because it's really, like, uh, unbelievable work, you know? Yeah, definitely, I will. Cool. Awesome. Um, so the first question I have actually relates to nursing. 
Um, so can you just tell us a little bit about your story on how you became a nurse? Um, and also tell us why you moved your focus from nursing into the fitness industry. Yeah, for sure. I was messaging you yesterday saying like, damn, I actually feel really old when you go through your life. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like, uh, what did I do? Um, so I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually entered college as a health and exercise major, which is ironic because I'm now a fitness. I'm in no the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I did it as a form of rebellion because my mom's a nurse and she kept pushing me to be going. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't want to do that. And I actually ended up changing my uh, major into nursing my second year after um, going into this volunteer program in Camden, New Jersey, mm -hmm. where I met nurses who weren't working in hospitals. Um, and they were providing healthcare in people's homes and I just saw how versatile nursing was. And so I wanted to go to, into a career that you could change a lot in, which is also very similar to the fitness industry. Um, so before I graduated nursing school, I worked as a nursing assistant for three years on a telemetry unit, which is a step down from the ICU and also a step up from the emergency room. So you saw a lot of things, mm. but I mostly saw a lot of patients with complications of heart disease, withdrawal, respiratory issues, pretty much all the chronic diseases that are preventable and maintainable outside of the hospital. And um, my first years there, I loved it. I was learning constantly. I worked with a great team of young nurses. Um, and I was just learning, and I loved it. And I started seeing the flaws of the healthcare system, unfortunately, the longer I was there. And I saw the emotional burnout of nurses. And there was just a lack of health management post-hospital stay. And nurses who wanted the time to educate just didn't have the time with the load of work that hospitals regulated to make a profit for themselves. And I saw patients just go further into medical bill debt, which exacerbated the issue. And after I graduated, I continued working there, but I already applied for my state licensure in New York to start working in, in the community in New York City. And um, I actually wasn't planning to like live in New York City, but Russell, my partner, he ended up- Oh, shout out Russell. Yeah, it was, it was Russell's fault. Uh, he actually, because I was, I stayed in New Jersey, I would have worked in that hospital for a couple of years, but because he moved into New York City without me, <laughs> I ended up like, I'm just going to live in New York City too. And we lived separately for three years here <laughs> um, until we ended up moving together. Nice. Yeah. There's, there's a long story after that, but pretty much I found um, my passion in chronic disease prevention. And I eventually joined a team at a comprehensive health clinic in East Harlem. And I actually got my certification personal training um, to make side income since community primary care nursing was on the lower end of being a registered nurse. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was already lifting and working out for a couple years before that because I kept hurting my back lifting patients as a uh, working in the hospital. Mm. And Russell in college who got me into lifting because I kept breaking my back in bad form. <laughs> um, uh, so I actually just connected both of them and I actually became a better health educator as a nurse when I started coaching fitness. And that was pretty much why I tried, I'm trying to do both pretty much. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one thing coming. There's almost like two things coming out of one intention. That's pretty phenomenal. Exactly. I'm more of a go with the flow person. Like if you told me like five years ago I was going to be doing this, I don't know. I, I would just be like, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a big one for me. Five years ago, I'm like, you going to be a trainer? What? Get out of here. <laughs> you weren't planning on that, right, David? No, I went to, I went to college for uh, law and criminology. Wow. Yeah, I was going to be a police officer, but then what? things went, yeah, things went a different route. And I'm glad it did, looking yeah. back in it. And I think there's a lot of buddies that are, that are police officers. Yeah, I, I think that's what's cool. I remember we had a meeting with all of our, with all of our um, colleagues, and they were talking about their past history. And very few people, like, started their career being like, I want to be a personal trainer, right? Yeah. People were that's doing common. things, and then they realized that this was – the best outlet for what they wanted to do, which um, I remember that was like the second uh, like whole meeting that we did. And I was like, okay, I'm in the right place. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Does this change yeah. into- Everyone's into in a similar boat. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of people. It's like, yeah, like you get a lot of actors that, especially at our club, at seventy six. At least when I first started, that were acting and then also trying to train. And eventually, if were trainers and have gone to have their own independent businesses, so it's it's a big thing. I think it, it helps you. It opens up your mind to other avenues of income, especially yeah. when you meet. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you kind of spoke a little bit about how uh, your experience in lifting and you know working out helped and benefited your nursing career, like towards the end of it. Um, how has your experience in your nursing career benefited um, you as a fitness professional? Um, it definitely has a big impact, and I think every workout or goal achieved by my clients is like one step back from a movement and health issue. And, you know, in a video game, when your character is injured and you just wait a little bit or take a health aid or whatever you guys do yeah. and the light yeah. bar goes up, like that's up, yeah. in, in my head. Run and hide. Run and hide. <laughs> run and, hide. <laughs> and that's what I think of with, um, with exercise and nutrition is that, that life bar going up. And I think in terms of the way we're educated in our system is like, we're not like these like bro huge trainers who are like, I'm from Jersey. So when I went into those gyms, I just saw like mom, you know what I mean? And it was very segregated people who wanted fitness as longevity and feeling good. And I think what's cool about the way we've been educated through our system here is that we're really thinking of it as like a long-term goal. And also yeah, food as medicine um, rather than just like, oh, this is something good or whatever. It's like when I educate on that, it's like I, food is what you're actually medicating yourself with. And it's as, as a means of fuel and a mechanism of repair. So I think I teach in that way rather than like, okay, this is, here's your meal plan and this is it or whatever. It's more like, hey, think about food in a different way and think about food as like actually helping your body rather than just something you don't even think about, you know? It's also so hard to go and piggyback off that point, right? When we've had clients or anyone who asks, or friends, or whatever, it's so hard when someone says, I want to lose this, don't look like this, how do I do it? There's no one blueprint, cut it, cut it, shape that fits for all. It's like, okay, like, the variables of like how much you're sleeping, how stressed are you with work, like how many hours you commit to working out, how many like there's so many variables that there is not one shape fits all. So like I, I I like the fact you bring that up because it's it's not like you can read the tools on whether it's celebrities, whether it's professionals on how they perform, how they recover. But if you have such complete opposite end scale variables or your tools are different. There's so much more up in the air that cannot make it a fair comparison or um, path for you to replicate. Yeah, for sure. And also like every person is like, needs to be coached differently and- 100%, uh, yeah. yeah. Cannot agree more. And every person has a different response, like yeah. not only uh, personally, but like physically. Uh, it's it's so hard to say that there's two people in are the same, right? Yeah, like you bring that up. I used to feel so insulted if someone was like, oh, I, I'd actually not work, want to work with you or like all this stuff. And I just bring it back to my nursing days where it's like the patients who were like, I don't want to work with you as a nurse. Like I'd rather work with someone else. And I was like, would feel offended. But I was like, wait, like that's that what you guys want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, would, I would imagine, I would imagine like, I'm your fuck, I'm your nurse right now. Like you, that's, I'm, I'm here to save your life or help you. <laughs> Wow, that's that's my well, is You would go through the shift, right? You go through the shift, yeah. and if you're usually assigned the next the next day to the same patient, and if that person doesn't want to see you again, you're like, okay, but they're not going to stop you in the middle of your twelve hours and be like, I don't want to work with you unless they're like, wow, wow, <laughs> wow, yeah, so, wow, Savages. yeah. It's interesting because when you have like a difficult patient, you are going to see that difficult patient most likely for the rest of the week, or at least forever. that patient. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Forever. It might as well be forever. I'll have no, I'll have no patience. <laughs> right. uh, like, I don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so taking um, so taking like your experience as a nurse 
um, and going like into like this current situation with this COVID-19 uh, crisis that we're all going through right now. Um, how has your nursing experience kind of shaped how you deal with uh, COVID-19 on a personal level? Um, mm -hmm. One way that I was kind of thinking about like pitching it is if you were to go back to the version of yourself pre, you know, nursing school, how would that Georgine have dealt with something like this? And then how mm -hmm. does the, uh, the current Georgine deal with something like this? Oh man, I mean, if before I became a nurse and understood all this, um, I would probably have been kind of like in the same boat of people being in the beginning being like, oh, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. And it was quite frustrating in the beginning because I didn't think anyone was taking it seriously. And all nurses are at risk of exposure in any setting, but there's usually vaccines, medications, interventions, and even then it's nerve wracking. And I'm sure you, Andre knows that too, like your, your girlfriend who's a nurse. So to have something like COVID that doesn't have any of those things, any interventions, no vaccines, whatever, um, I was really stressed really early on. I actually left the gym earlier than everyone. And um, just had a lot of anxiety over it. I feel like if I didn't have that experience as a nurse, because I've been exposed to like several things working in the hospital and in the field, if I didn't have that experience, I would have been a little bit more like, okay, I'm hoping it's going to be okay. I'll pass over. It'll, it'll just be, you know, two weeks or three weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I definitely had some real fear and anxiety from the beginning. Yeah. I remember one time, if you, if you remember when we were on the balcony overlooking the lobby, and you were telling me, you know what, David, I, I, I'm out of here. <laughs> You're basically like, I'm done. That was, that was like, I think Equinox closed, what, on a Monday, I think? The second week of, of March, I think Equinox closed on a Monday. Yeah. And I think you told me that on Wednesday before that. And I was like, all right, cool, I'm gone. But it's smart. I mean, it's smart. Who knows? Maybe, maybe when I got sick and almost fucking... I don't know. It was like, it could have been from the gym. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. And actually, I actually stopped working. I Like a week before that week, I, before I left, I actually um, messaged all of my clients who were above 60 years old to stop training with me. Yeah. Um, and you I mean, have a lot of those clients are above 60? Yeah, I have a good amount. I mean, I have a lot of older patients. No, older clients, I was yeah. supposed to do that too. Yeah. Sorry, we can't train I, athletes like you. That work that I work with a little bit of the older population. No, I'm not about that. I'm just curious. <laughs> but yeah, so I did end up um, like asking like four or five of them to stop coming into the gym. And I how think, do they respond to that? I think they were actually very, very like, like saying thank you about it pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. I think one of the things that pushed me over was one of my 70 year old clients, she was wearing like gloves in the gym in our last workout and then she was just touching everything and then she was touching her face with her glove uh, was like, she was touching like equipment that was definitely not cleaned and i was like okay uh, it's over <laughs> it's like the scene when everything goes in slow motion and you're like no <laughs> i i had wow. a client though in, in like the the week or two before it closed down right because one of the first cases in new york was um where was it again in Westchester, lawyer right? from Kirk law Huh? It was a lawyer from New York Law that lived up in... In Westchester. Yeah, I forgot what and he part was of... In the city, right? So one of my clients, he was... And I thought he was being overboard. He was wiping it out. like, this guy. But he... It, it, it made so much sense. And I, I, I... Obviously, I was like, I, was like, I don't mind. Like, whatever you want to do. What makes you feel comfortable? I don't mind, whatever. But, like, it was just so smart. And, and like you said... It, the only thing is, it just take longer for whether it's myself or the people to accept that it's more serious than what it is. And like today, we're speaking on on Friday, right? As the same day that Georgia was opening a ton of their stuff, and yeah, um, they did mention that there are no equinoxes in Georgia. There is two soul cycles, and they're not going to open them up. Then if you guys saw that, right. and I, and that's just good to hear. But I, I don't know. I I just think that if they saw anything of what New York really looked like during this pandemic, they would not be opening up anything. Like we get it, the economy's getting hit hard, but like, what do you, this only gets better if we are serious about it from the front yeah. end, so, uh, yeah. Crazy thing, I, I actually had a client I was working with for about a year consistently, and she, in December, and I think that's what triggered me in the beginning, because she was the first one who like left. She actually stopped her membership and she stopped training with me because of the coronavirus in December. 
Mm. Wow. She yeah. was super active then. And have you been in touch with her recently? Like what, what yeah. was the So she's been sheltering in place since December. <laughs> wow. I mean, she's not, she's not stupid. She's yeah, oversensitive, but she's not stupid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she has other, she has her own health issues though too. So like, um, it was really smart of her to do what she did. Yeah. Good for her. I have, a, I have a client who always goes to LA for about four to five months and always comes back in March. And I emailed him. I'm like, <laughs> like I think the week before Equinox closed, like, Hey man, do you plan on coming back? Uh, even though this stuff is going on, like, well, what's up? Like, well, what's, what's your plan? What do you want to do just to be safe? And he's, uh, he's in his late sixties, I would say. And he was like, dude, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> he's like, I'm staying home. I'm like, good. Stay home. Yeah. You need to stay home. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good call for a lot of people that are able to do that. I think one of the biggest things is, especially in New York City, you have such a big population that doesn't have the luxury or the ability to work from home, that the yeah. last thing on their mind is, I'm going to stay home and work. You know, like my dad, he's a cab driver, and last week, you know, we, we made him stay home maybe the first week of March. And yesterday, he called me and said, hey, I'm thinking about going back to work next week. I'm like, you're out of your freaking mind. You're not going anywhere. And it's well, just it's just like the mentality, you know, him being from a different culture and stuff, he's like, I have to work, I have to provide and I have to provide, yeah. And me being his kid and in his mind not knowing anything, because you know, the Hispanic household, the parents are always right. So it's like <laughs> Yeah. So me telling him, You're not going anywhere. Like we especially in terms of income, we're okay and I'll help out too. Like just just stop. <laughs> Calm down. You'll get back to work eventually, but it's not the biggest, it's not the brightest idea to do it right now. Um, it's tough. It's a tough time. No, it is tough. Tough call. Yeah. <sighs> um, David, I think you have some questions. Yeah. Um, so, so we haven't, we haven't mentioned this yet, Georgine, but you are a vegan. How long have you been a vegan for? Oh man, that's such a tough question. I think it's actually been three years. What was your journey like? Like what, what was going it, on? And it was a long, weird journey. <laughs> yeah. I actually tried to, I was a vegetarian for a few, of, like a year in college and I actually tried to be vegan um, back then and I did it so wrong um, that I actually got really sick from it and um, ended up eating just, you know, normal after that. And, um, didn't really consider it again and so it's been a long journey and i think the nursing nursing programs and like medical schools have nutrition classes that are more like biochemistry related facts learning memorize and regurgitate for test kind of thing and so i never taken like a real like education nutrition class and yeah. it was pretty much not like like the nutrition classes i t like took weren't for like transferring information to a patient or a client. You know what I mean? So it, one of my early jobs was to go into people's homes and provide care. And I got to look in their fridges and cabinets and pill boxes and just found the cycle of people um, eating food that was destroying their like already damaged organ systems and maintaining that lifestyle with their medication. Mm -hmm. And then that medication just became more numerous. The, higher dosing and the need for more medication for the side effects of their medication. And so when I saw that as a nurse, I was like, there's such a lack of education to transfer what we know about nutrition as healthcare providers to the quote unquote average Joe, right? And in my last job, I got to create uh, groups on nutrition and basic health programs that were just like, this is what your heart does. And this is what your gut does. And this is what you eat, do what happens when you eat a carb and what a carb is. Um, and when I was started to teach that, I actually gradually, without even knowing it, started to eat differently. And my roommate at that time would, like, if she was on this, she would definitely tell you that, like, just all of a sudden, I just became vegan. <laughs> okay. Um, there was just a point where I was like, I haven't eaten an animal product in, in like a month after months of slowly, like, reducing them. And I've never felt more connected with my body and I just never went back. So I did it. So when I did it in college, I was just like, I'm going to go all in. I ate tons of just meat replacement. And then because I did it gradually and also learned from the educating part of nutrition, 
I like did it in a far more healthier way. And I have such a, a more holistic way of thinking of a vegan diet. And just like with any diet, it just has to be balanced. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, it, it leads me into my, my second question, you know, what, what, what's the biggest change that you see when it comes to eating now and eating what was trendy back in the day for, for a vegan, like five, 10 years ago, you know, what, what would you say is the biggest change in terms of what vegans should be eating as opposed to what they were eating back in the day? Yeah. I was actually talking to one of our coworkers who's been a long-term vegan and she was like, you're so lucky to be a vegan now than when I was a vegan 10 years ago or 15 years ago, because there's such, there's a more, one, there's more knowledge, you know, there's more information of what vegetables can do for you rather than just eating these meat replacements. Um, And there's just a more like a support system. So like, I think back then, even like how many years ago I did that in college, there was one very few vegans out there. And now the growth of the population of people eating this way or living this way um, has definitely just been more supportive in the knowledge that we have. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not afraid of what I was doing because when I did it that long, long time ago, I was just, I actually lost like 15 pounds and I didn't realize that I was losing, I was just um, nutrient depriving myself actually. Wow. if you, like you mentioned, like there's more information now on like, obviously there's more advancements in science every day that tells us like a lot more about everything. Like, but in addition to that, what else, if you think it's like, so there's more people or more awareness, um, and like I said, more vegans in general, like, what do you think that's contributed to, to besides the fact that science tells us more about plants? I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Sorry. So if, if I know with science, like tells more information, such as like more about like why you're consuming plant-based foods are their benefits and so on. Like, but in addition to that, why do you think there are more plant-based people, uh, plant-based eaters now than there were like 10 years ago? I think um, one, there's more information of what we're doing um, to the animals in factory farming. And then there's also this huge issue with climate change that's been I mean, when I was in college, what, five, eight years ago, whatever, um, there was like, you know, there was talk about climate change and now it's like, oh my God, climate change is here. <laughs> yeah, now, now what do we do? Yeah, now we're like, we... wait, I'm turning 30. I'm going to have children who are going to be experiencing the real climate change problems. You know what I mean? And we're experiencing yeah. it. And I think that's yeah. a big push. So when it comes to, and we'll talk about it later about like what veganism actually is, but like when it comes to the whole picture and the bigger picture of it all, there's just all these issues along with the health issues, the health, like the hospital system and our healthcare system, and also in, like the environmental issues. And um, I think that there, like, for example, there's vegans who do it for the environment, there's mm-hmm. vegans for animals, and there's vegans who do this and that for certain reasons. But I think there's more people doing it because there's more reasons to do it. More reasons. That's good. That's nice. That's, that's actually really, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, what, what would you say to somebody that's thinking about going into veganism right now? Like what would, what's a definition you would give somebody that knew nothing and said, Hey, I want to try veganism. What would you say to them? Yeah. Um, I actually never encouraged, like if someone came up to me and I actually get like, I don't even tell people I'm vegan when I first start. Sometimes people like already look at my Instagram. They're like, oh, you're a vegan. On your bio. But um, I do like when, when someone comes up to me, like when I get a new client and they are interested in it, if they ex- like express interest in it, I always tell them to please go see a, a registered dietitian okay. because it really is for me. I did it. I did it really gradually, and I did it while I was learning about nutrition. And um, I think a lot of people did what I did when in college, where like they were just okay. I'm going to change. And if we actually view food as medicine, like we wouldn't just take if someone if I to you, David, just like here's like here's a pill, take it. Would you take it? Is it a creatine pill? I mean. <laughs> I mean like if you're not prescribed it like why would you do it so if we think of food as medicine and like also changing your your like homeostasis of your body of the food that you've been eating for like 30 40 years 
like I would always say, go see a registered dietitian who one promotes a plant-based lifestyle because there are registered dietitians who will say no to that um, and, and try it out and see if that, that dietitian can get you to the point that you would, are comfortable to do it consistently in your life. Thank you. That's great. That's amazing because you have a lot of people, especially in our industry, that and it leads me to, to, to the last you know, question for me is, what would you say to somebody that is imposing a vegan lifestyle to other people? You know, like you said right now, go see a, a registered dietitian who's, you know, promoting a vegan lifestyle, but you have all these people that are so, you know, adamant about telling everybody, you know, you're doing this wrong, you're this, you're that, because you're eating animals. <laughs> and from, well, my, from my experience with you, from, you know, uh, I even forget how long we've been working together, but I've never heard you once ever say to anybody, that's wrong. Or, yeah. you know, ever, you know, try to, uh, you know, pose veganism as, you know, dogma. Yeah. So, um, I think the whole extremism of everything, and I think it comes from both sides of the extreme, like how most issues go, it's, yeah. it's polarizing. And one thing to note is that veganism is an ethical lifestyle and not a diet. The diet is a plant-based diet but that is only a portion of what veganism is. So some people can be like, yeah, I eat plant-based, but like they're still wearing leather or whatever. And being vegan is just, it's a total moral lifestyle. So because of the ethical component of that lifestyle, you have vegans who come off extremely harsh in their judgment of others and educate others where the listener gets very defensive since they are faced with the moral dilemmas of animal exploitation. And on the opposite side, I've seen people being deterred by their coaches when they are interested in veganism. Which again, if you use the perspective that it's an ethical decision, it's the same thing as telling someone to not practice their moral lifestyle, such as a religion, you know? So if someone comes up to me and like puts something in my face, like a pork or pig or whatever, like a food, I'm just like, right. why would you do that? Like, it's as if you're taking someone's like yarmulke off their head. You know what I mean? This yeah. is what I believe in. But also, just like religions, <laughs> like you shouldn't just go up to people and be like, yo, you, you know, believe in Jesus Christ. That's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I think if you view it as that, where it's not, it's not just a diet, it's actually a lifestyle. Um, and it's a moral, like, um, like kind of structure in their life. I don't think as coaches, we should deter that. And also we shouldn't have extreme... Um, people who are, you know, no matter what the conversation becomes very delicate, you know, because it's what we eat and yeah. people will always get very defensive. So I think if we just accept each other and actually start having a real conversation about it, like how we guys, like what's great about working with you guys is that no one has ever told me working at the gym that like what I'm doing is weird, <laughs> you know? So even if it is, okay. <laughs> You're not, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a big thing because, I, you know, and I say this from experience, started as a personal trainer, the, the, the knowledge I was getting from all these sources, and there's so many sources online, yeah. people that want to become trainers and people that want to learn more about nutrition, there's so many sources to get information from and from, you know, things that I've read, there are many articles that say, you know, veganism isn't the best thing for somebody looking to do a, you know, ABC. And there are other sources that say, listen, you want to do this, you have to be a vegan or you should have a plant-based lifestyle. Um, but like you said, we should just accept people for what it is that they believe in. Um, and now going through, uh, we're all uh, certified through PM, correct? I think, right? Um, nutrition, yeah. Yeah. So even they, you know, when it comes to a coaching model in terms of telling a new client, what to eat or suggesting to a new client how to eat it's never ever been stop doing this so i think it's always been add this to your diet that may help and also whenever i have a client that tells me hey i want to do veganism or want to i want to become a vegan i would i would always say all right i mean listen it depends on what it is that you believe in how do you feel about it how do you feel about what's going on now in the world and if it works for you, do it. If it's something that you truly believe in, well, who am I to tell you what to believe in? Yeah. It's like you said right now, who are we to tell people that this, you know, deity doesn't exist or mm -hmm. something like that, you know? 
So it's a, it's a big thing. And I'm glad that you mentioned that if somebody does ask you about it, go to a registered dietitian and ask mm -hmm. them for more info. Yeah, I think it's I think people don't like being told what to do. So as coaches, we're yeah. come across this boundary of telling rather than teaching. And yeah. outcomes are very different with just those two different things. And I've yeah. never told anyone to do and have a certain lifestyle. And I think um, just having the influence of other people. And I think the fact that both me and my partner are not dying from a protein deficiency and produce the work we do in the gym shows other people that they can, they have other options to fuel themselves. Yeah. And if they, especially if they do morally believe of the things about veganism and they're like concerned about how they are going to be in the gym, like you could just look at the people who are in the gym who are vegans or like look online and be like, oh, that person who is vegan, like still can do that same work. You know what I mean? I think that's a really, I'm really glad you brought that point because I'm someone as well that was so, I have a friend who's been vegetarian and now more recently in the last like three years vegan. And for so many years, I was so naive whenever he said like, oh, this is what I made. And I was in my head, I was like, oh, I'll be happy about meat. You haven't enough protein. And then it was in the last like, uh, I don't know, six months that I didn't like, I know I talked to you about Georgine in person about like more plant-based diets. And then I know that we, uh, I came over to your place of Russell and like you made some amazing food and it, it, like for me going back to a point made earlier about the information being there like I not having the information and also like if you think about at least the way I was brought up right in a European background meat is part of every meal that's just tradition and has been tradition for as long as I know my grand my parents and my grandparents and all, all my ancestors have ever known is that meat is your source of protein that's just it's it's always been that way and so like to say that you can have other sources of protein, right? You think that like of additional sources, right? Of like whether it's your beans or whatever it is, but like to think that your whole base at a meal is going to be something other than an animal. It, it, it was a really hard thing for me to wrap my head around, but like seeing how you can still perform at higher levels on a plant-based diet, it's just, it's, it's honestly like some, some of it is just myths, right? And like, but I think it's the education part, right? Like yeah. if you, again, the way I grew up, like I said, it was just, it was meat, it was cooked in a pan, however it was. And, and I've always had the mindset, like my, um, my father's side has always been like in a, in a very uh, strong cult, hunting culture in France. And I'll, I'm able to admit that I, there was two, I had two um, sides of that where like I understood the, there's the game in part to try and outsmart an animal, trying to outsmart it. But as soon as it came to the killing and then the skinning of it, like mm -hmm. I had no interest in it. I had no interest in it. To me, it was just, I can't do it. I'm just grossed out. And then like, I, again, I was happy. I admit that I was happy to eat it when I was on my plate, but I, I didn't want to have any interest in how it came from like its dying part to being on my plate. I wanted to have no interest at all. Right. And when I spoke to friends about it more recently, it's like, oh, I don't want to hear about it. And I was like, unfortunately, that's, that was where I was on my stance. And then the more I think about it and having my own animal, which this isn't the same for everyone, but having my own animal has made me think about it on a different level. I'm like, wow, like the animal cruelty. And um, it, I just think it's good that the information is getting out there. And I do admit that so it, sometimes it's that mindset based on myth that only meat can get you big. And it, I think times are changing gradually. But I think, like you said... There, yeah. there's the other end of the spectrum as well right when you go out when you go out and get food as me and my girlfriend they more re uh recently been going out to more vegan spots and there is an other end of the scale where like because it's still a novice uh idea for like vegan specialized restaurants they upcharge you like crazy they're like oh it's a vegan it's a plant-based patty with some plant-based i don't know something on the side 20 bucks a plate oh and then the it's dessert you know what I mean? it's actually cheaper it's cheaper to make the food yeah i agree it's cheaper to make but I, I, that's and that that will blow over right eventually yeah. that won't be such a surcharge but like it, it, to me it's again if when you put it simply if you can have it's all science right if you can have the same uh servings of protein in terms of calorie servings right measurement wise it doesn't matter where you get it from. Like, I think that's point case where I've thought of some people like, oh no, it has to be on like, the protein is protein. When yeah. you break down amino acids, it's, that's it. You don't, doesn't matter where it came from, that's it, right? Yeah. So that, that to me doesn't get a bit touchy when someone tries to argue about it on that base. It's like, that's just, that's, do you even know what you're arguing? You don't even know. But, yeah. it, but look, I think it's also part of education. I think it's about it being more accessible, right? Like, I don't know, I'm not gonna lie, like I've had a more 
focus on being more plant-based in the last few months, but I think it was the second week of trying to go to Trader Joe's when this pandemic started. There was no plant-based protein. I'm like, what am I going to do? <laughs> so like I've like scaled back a little bit, but I, I, I guess what I, what I want to lead on to ask you is when you think of optimal health and wellness, what, what does that look like to you? Um, I think it's about feeling good in your body and trusting your body to function. And I mean, I think that goes along with what we were talking about being plant-based and stuff. It's, you know, there, it is, it takes time to adjust to things and, um, it's the same thing as turning on your car and trusting it would turn on, you know what I mean? And, um, aesthetic goals are good to have if they're reasonable, but for me, it's the, it's not the number one priority. I found that if you work on skill, on movement and strength work, those goals are obtained anyways in a far healthier way since they aren't weighing themselves every day, mirror checking every day. Um, and each time a client does something that they've never done before or progress into a movement after working up to it or tell me they're pain-free or come back with a blood pressure that's lower or tell me that they maintain their blood sugar better for three months. That for me is like far more important than the painful counting of calories and the macros yeah. and yo-yo dieting and getting yeah. on the scale. And sometimes only yeah. having that aesthetic goal is a deterrent for like optimal health and wellness because mm. it doesn't consider the mental health part of it all, especially for women where our bodies have been objectified since like the dawn of time <laughs> to like right. what their body should look like. And uh, I think it's also, so right now when you talk about trends though too, it's like there is this trend now to be like very, very fit and like you can't be a personal trainer if you don't have muscles and doing this and that. And I think hopefully that trend will pass when you realize like, oh, well, this person's like overall health is better, but you can't really see that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's no like x-ray vision where it's like, oh, that person's like blood pressure and like cholesterol level is better than mine. Like I want to, I want to have that. They don't see that, you know? Right. So, it doesn't look as, it doesn't seem as tangible. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a great point with pain for I think whenever whenever your body's in a certain state, whether it's not looking the way you want to or being a bit heavy on the scale if you're injured, I think, in my opinion at least, being injured has to be the most depressing factor because that affects everything. That affects your mood, your sleep, by that touches all areas. And I, I definitely feel that where people we've worked with, if you can get some, if you, someone can come in and come see you, you know, and I think that's probably the, the strongest feeling of being a trainer, being in the health industry, is if someone comes to you, they're in pain, and you work with them and, and again, based on what we mentioned earlier, there is no one set way. Like if all of us have like a, a lower back issue, there's not one way to solve every single one's issue, right? Like we might do bridges of David, we might do certain stretches of you or Angel. And I think that again, if someone comes to you and they can walk out that door or continue living their life and they're being pain-free, I think that speaks bigger than anything. Like being pain-free is by far the biggest value of health, by, by my opinion. But yeah. Yeah. And if um if Again, right now it's a little difficult. We don't have gyms to walk out, but if you had one tool to walk out with, just one tool only, what what would that be? Oh my god, I love this question when I saw it. <laughs> I remember how they would answer, but it would definitely be um a hundred percent a kettlebell because you yes. always have your body weight. Uh, yes. <laughs> they, I mean, I don't know if you guys like saw it, but like I felt like I was lifting and then I was just like, I'm gonna just try out kettlebells for the past couple of months, which actually has been a great transition to now where you kind of only can use one or two tools yeah um but i started like really falling in love with it and i'm definitely getting onto this journey of like pretty much trying to solely use kettlebells in all of my training and it really goes along with i mean you jack i know has done the animal flow um program and stuff it really goes along with full body movements i could connect it with animal flow i can connect it with everything else um right now i'm trying to do this like handstand program <laughs> which is like how's it going it's okay it's like it's actually hard to do a night like a correct handstand because people do handstands but they're like doing it wrong you know oh, arch backs or something yeah, arch back or hand this way or like whatever um so i've been doing that gradually too um so you could do so much with your body weight and i actually think it's pretty impressive and you i've seen like people who are like you know dumbbell benching and then they can't even do their like they can't even push their body up yeah 
know, that Trump's ability is a different kind, right? Like that. I love how you mentioned the animal flow, right? And I did. I think uh, you had done it before me, I believe, right? The animal flow workshop. But I'm, I'm, an, I'm open to admitting that when I saw how much it was to do, and I was like, "There's no way you're getting me to spend that much money on a workshop that's body weight. There is no way." And then I ne- and I remember doing it that weekend, and my back for three days was like a whole other new level of sore. And yeah. I know in the workshops they talk about like how it's used as a corrective strategies, um, and 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 like helping for alignment and you know any, any desk jockeys and all that sort. But I I think there's so much value to it. And again, like you said, the fact that you can combine it with kettlebells, and I know I sent you a post last night um, of that trainer, which is awesome. Like that's so. Again, I, I, but, and it bring, combining that point you mentioned about the injury, like I had a client this morning where like her blowback is always flaring up. And I'm like, it, it's not that I'm not surprised, but it's like, I know, I know what to do kind of. And like this morning it was animal flow and like she felt so much. And I love being able to like, that's the thing right now is we don't have many tools available to us, even yeah. if we order some depending on availability online. But if you're creative and you do the movements with your own body weight, master that before you walk on certain external loads right like it is common that we work with someone and they say oh i can do more weight i'm like let's make you put let's put you on your hands and knees and and let's let's make you crawl a certain way and no but this really inspired me though because you guys are obviously very kettlebell heavy in terms of training and um i was very like in the beginning, I was just trying to learn from everybody and learning from you guys. I was just like, that looks really playful, you know, like, and that's why I like Animal Flow 2 and Kettlebell and Viper is like, that looks like play. And I feel like there's so much serious, like, stuff about training where I'm like, um, well, I have a short life and I just want to be happy. So like, yeah. why not just like do some flows or, you know, like see how much your body can push through something rather than like, okay, here's 15 sets of bicep curls. <laughs> and like I stare out into nothing <laughs> yeah I think and like you said it, it it all comes from the different experiences everyone's had but kettlebells is just I think and I, I you probably heard I mentioned that on the previous episode where like kettlebells whether you have one or two and if you feel like oh maybe in the gym I would typically get a heavier set for this next exercise okay change your variables like it's I did a workout the other day where it was like it was a set of exercises for 40 second rest. Second one and 30 seconds and 20. I was like, I didn't change the weight, but my rest period decreased after every set. Yeah. Gas, like absolutely gas. And it just, it takes that, you know, that bit more um, creative approach to, to program that kind of style. But uh, I agree. I think kettlebells, if you have one tool, I know Angel, when he told us the day the gyms were closing, I was like, oh, I don't know if I get kettlebells. And he's like, I'm ordering mine now. Because <laughs> he was every- on out of stock yeah so oh, yeah. i tell so, you that I right before it all happened i literally went to walmart and i saw all these kettlebells and i should have bought all of them you should have. <laughs> you would have made so much money, I, money. <laughs> I ordered i ordered a bell i ordered i told you guys i ordered a kettlebell what like a week ago a week and a half ago yeah i got an email and they're like hey so you're gonna expect to get your kettlebell in june <laughs> I'm like, I knew that would happen though. I saw that it was a trap. They said, "Give me the money first, and we'll send it to you at our earliest." Wait, was that the thing you posted, David? No, Dragon no, 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 that was Dragon Duel. Kings. I did this one through RKC, okay. and they were having a pre-sale because they were getting a new shipment in. Pre-sale, and yeah. They were like, no, oh, you know, one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got I got a I got a this I got a uh, RKC course discounted like fifty percent off. So we might cool. as well throw that in there for you. Merry Christmas, David. <laughs> I know, but anyway, it was. I'm like shit. I'm gonna fucking get this shit in June, and I have to deal with this one kettlebell I have at home. Like goddamn. You'll get you won't but, even get it this June, next June as well, probably this week. Angel has a setup though. He has like a bunch of equipment. Yeah, I just got because I got those three kettlebells like the day that the gyms closed. Like I just mm-hmm. got like one of each. I got a lightweight, something that's like a lightweight for me, a medium weight, and a heavyweight. Right, that's kind of like how I did it. And then I was just like, um, then I just got a Viper as well, so that way I have like a little bit more versatility. And I had you know all this other equipment from before. I had mats, trigger point stuff, uh, resistance bands. I even actually ordered like a week. Like two weeks before this all went down, I realized that I needed more uh, of those hip circles. 
So I had a ton of them and they came in like the week before this all went down. So now I had a ton of pip circles and I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. So I started giving it to some of my clients who are local, like are in the city and I'm training them virtually. I'm just like, here, take this. We'll regroup when, you know, this goes live. So at least I can do right. their programming and they have one more tool that they can use and then we can work with together. Um, but yeah. I'm waiting for my yoga mat. It's been a month and a half. Yeah. You might as well just use <laughs> the power. <laughs> Um, uh, Gene, I saw the cart that you got too. I actually kind of want to get like the little granny cart to put the kettlebells in to go to the park. Dude, it's actually a core workout. Like that dolly, because you're carrying all that stuff. It like, yeah. it like actually takes a lot of energy. To oh, I believe it, but, but it's so, so much more efficient than having the farmer carry like all the weight. Like that makes no, yeah, uh, that is so much. That is so. Uh, such an underestimated exercise. Like I did a shoot on the Riverside water twice in the summer. I had a pair of 20 kilos, like ah, pair of 20 kilos. I walked three blocks and my arms were falling mm -hmm. off three blocks. And I was like, I gotta walk to Riverside. So next time I just order a cab, but like, yeah. Like, you know, I um, think farmer yes. carries at the gym feels so different from farmer carrying like out in the real world. 100%. It's, it's so different. So different. How far do you do in the gym? You do it for like maybe 30 feet, yep. maybe. <laughs> Right. Like you, and then you stop and then you rest for two minutes and then you do three more sets and you're done or whatever it is. Right. But like, you know, street, two blocks. I was dead. <laughs> took my kettlebell two blocks once. Dude, I'm getting three, I did four to the base, to the lobby. I had to put it down like twice. Yeah. Dude, from 76th Street to Riverside Park, there's 67th and West End. Dude, my arms are going to fall off. Yeah. <laughs> I would have just, just left it. Down the hill, just let it roll down. Get that trolley thing. <laughs> um, I did want to ask in, in, in closing though, like 10 years from now, where do you see yourself both professionally and physically? So physically, I don't know. I really don't have like, like big plans um, on like things like that. I have like small goals, like the whole handstand thing, whatever, but in 10 years, we'll see what happens. But professionally, um, I hope to be working with a team of like-minded specialists in their field to work in a comprehensive healthcare program that's connected to a virtual application. And I wanna see personal trainers be seen as healthcare professionals working alongside with doctors, nurses, registered dietitians, and physical therapists. Like there are places like that now where gym members first see a nurse and a personal trainer together to create a longevity plan, which wow. is a step in the right direction. And um, I was told once that all we do as trainers is make people move, but we all know that it's so much more than that. And it reminded, yeah. me, it really reminded me of patients who were dismissive saying, you're only a nurse. And I'm really, I'm extremely proud to work in this industry, especially with people like you guys. And a lot of my nursing friends, when I decided to shift into this career, um, were just like, why, <laughs> you know? And I've seen, I've seen you all be able to change people's lives because of the connections you have with them. And I found the deeper and deeper I go into preventative care, which is I think at the level we are right now, which is one-on-one -on -one health coaching, one-on-one -on -one trusting that person and that client trusting you with their advice and their lifestyle, um, where from the very beginning, when I was working in hospital, I would have like 10 minutes with the client to try to make that connection where they would leave the next day until going into people's homes where I would only have that, like 30 minutes with them or where like they're already sick. And then to the point of like working in a clinic where I would see them more frequently and I could actually like have one-on-one -on -one classes with them in a group to like one-on-one, -on -one, like, hey, I'm here for you no matter what, tell me what's going on. It's just different levels of that connection. And I really do think that's where it all stems from. So if you could connect all of those workers into a comprehensive system and a team for each individual. I think that would make a, like a lot of sense. Like, oh, my personal trainer knows my doctor and like my doctor says this and my trainer knows this. They know what my cholesterol level was like two months ago and now I can work on that. Or, you know, I think it just makes a lot of sense in terms of preventative care. And if you look at other countries that have a public healthcare system, they completely put all of their money in preventative care. So when we come to here and you see what's happening with COVID and everything where it's tertiary care, it's like, oh, let's fix the problem when we have the problem. Right. Um, which is exactly what happened with our 
the virus, the, you know, the pandemic now, mm. um, it's really, you know, it's frustrating because we as, as personal trainers are like in that front line of preventing that sickness. So if you see the people who are actually like young and getting sick, a majority of them are like overweight and obese. Um, and they have medical issues. And those medical issues, those health issues come from a lifestyle. Um, so really what we were doing as like personal trainers was trying to get people to change that lifestyle. Like, so you guys don't even know what your out, like, you know, your impact was on a person who you've got gotten to lose like 40, 50 pounds. So it's, I think it's great. And not to get all gushy and everything, but like you guys have been such a great inspiration along with all, all the other senior trainers. Um, and learning from you all and realizing that this is like a real profession rather than like, hey, I'm an Instagram star, <laughs> you know, here's my apps. <laughs> here's my IG. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate you saying that because that's, I, I'll, there are some news when I've got it, but I'm also working on some vet, some uh, outlets of more, more focused mental health as well because, I, and, and preventative care, right? It just, it, it can be frustrating at times that when, the um, stigma between a trainer is someone that's just going to make you do burpees and make you do the same workout. And unfortunately, that is still a strong stigma of the profession. I think it's gradually changing. Um, like I know, uh, like Mike Boyle, obviously he's very well renowned in the industry. When he was starting off, it was unprecedented that someone could be in that field and go on to do it their whole life, mm -hmm. right? And and that and that just and, and he was one of the first people to do that. And like now, like. Yeah, the average age of someone, like you said, like not everyone wanted to start in the fitness industry or as a personal trainer, right? Someone starts off something else. And I've read, I've read studies or articles say like the average age someone start will be in their twenties, but the average age they would get out of it would be late twenties also, which is roughly like where our age is right now, right? But like, and I, and I had that that preconceived notion where I might have to change my career in my late twenties as well. But I've like you're saying, I think thankfully for the better the focus of personal trainers and their influence in the health modernist industry is slowly and, and, and rightfully so graduate, graduate, gradually moving with a more focus on actual helping health and preventative care. Right. And I think it's just taking its time, but I think it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm really interested in like, like you said, where your path leads you, but I'm so interested to hear and see how that develops because it, there, it, it can be frustrating sometimes when, when we say like, if someone thinks that like, the services of training or even like on uh, doctor's checks or procedures and then, Oh, it's not worth it. Like I'm definitely the mindset. Like if you're, if you, you cannot put a price on your health, right? Like that's why I think like athletes who, who have the health and go back into a physical game where there this, the likelihood of concussion, right? I, I think you should walk away whilst you have your health. Right. And like, like I've heard some stories recently. That's what some people say they retired at early ages, but I think going back to, um, like with trainers having a, a more gradual role in this industry, I just think it, it, it seems to be that if, if we have a lot of opportunities more so with uh, physical therapy practices or hospitals, I just think it's definitely an opportunity for us. And I, again, I think there is so much more than just having someone come in, even prescribing <laughs> to do a set of like exercises, yeah. right? Like to me, there's nothing more frustrating than we all see this, right? When someone comes in, the client, client comes in with works whoever, which trainer, whatever it is, or even physical therapist, and does the same shit. Like, doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, what your injury history, you're getting the same fucking program. And to me, that's so infuriating. And that's what gives the bad stigma to trainers is the fact that, like, whoever you are, whatever your background is, you're getting program X or Z. Like, you're just getting that same program. And I think the like you mentioned, hopefully it's, it's through that um, – uh, mindset, but that culture at West Ham Sixth Street, where we've all started off our training careers, where it was that club. I think we're very thankful and grateful to say that it's a very senior crowd of trainers, yeah. and they're all so specific on who they work with. I feel like anyway, right? Like, and we've definitely seen it not in whatever company although it is, where there is like, hey, you're doing this, and oh, you have arthritis in your knees, you're doing box jumps, right? Like, we've all seen that, and it's like it's those are the people examples that give the best image of the profession. So. I'm really excited to see where where this path leads. You really want to see it. Yeah. Um, you think you'll stay on the East Coast? Oh, we'll see. <laughs> That's the question. Right? Yo, my lease is up in August. We're just trying to figure out our lives right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Our lease is up the end of next month. Woo. Oh, dude. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. <laughs> it's 
kind of scary. Uh, so yeah. uh, give us some, give us like a look into like where people can find you and what projects you're working on and things like that. Yeah. Um, so you guys could just find me on my Instagram, the woke, the woke nurse. Um, so, I mean, you could DM me there, follow me there. I don't post a lot on my actual thing. Like I actually looked at it and I was like, I have 300 posts in three years. That's not that good. That's not great. <laughs> um, but the woke nurse. Quality <laughs> over quantity. <laughs> well, I follow everyone who follows me because I really believe in like connecting with people who do follow me. And I do talk a lot with the people who follow me. Um, and I, if you guys want to also, I'm, I've been um, doing these small group trainings, um, which I've been trying to do like once or twice every day, which has been pretty successful. It's like four or five people. And uh, so DM me for that too, if you want to gather your friends, uh, connect virtually and um, work out for a 30, 40 minute workout. Um, half of the money goes to, uh, to um, the New York health hospitals and everything um, for the healthcare providers. And great. I've been, I raised about $500 already, which is awesome. Wow. Right. And, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually been really fun because it's one, it does everything. Like I'm just one of those people. I, I want to do one thing that does like many things at one time. So it's like, gets us, pe gets people together. Um, you know, gets us working out because like really you need to move to, it's a, like another preventative thing of getting sick. And uh, like the donations are just a great like bonus, you know? Nice. So DM me on the woke nurse. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Perfect. Uh, do you have anything to add? Anything you want to say before we close up? I think we're good. Thank you, Georgie. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Very, that was very informative. Thank you. Awesome. My foot's asleep, so I'm going to stand up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pins and needles soon. That's why I've been like moving around. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's another thing that we're all kind of like trying to overcome now too. I was just talking with these guys about it earlier before you came into the podcast about how we're spending so much time in front of our computers because we're doing oh, yeah. cool stuff. And it's like, my body <laughs> is not made for that. Like everything hurts. Um, but yeah, it's not to wrap it up. Uh, to wrap it up, uh, thanks guys. Thank you for listening, watching. Um, and feel free to follow Georgine at The Woke Nurse on Instagram um, and follow our Instagram at The Trainer Feed. And we will post some stuff about what we're going to get into next week. Right. Thank you, guys. See you Thank soon. Thank you, Georgine. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.